New Testament are stories of amazement and wonder. Everybody sees what he does, healing, hears him teach, confront his adversaries, always coming out with the right word, the right action, never facing a time that he could not handle. And he would say of him how others are amazed all the time. Our story today is one time when Jesus is amazed at another person's faith. I think it's worth looking at that person and something about that particular person's journey to help us think about our faith and just how amazing it might become. He was a Roman soldier, which meant he was a part of an occupying force. You might call him an enemy if you were an Israelite. We know that we don't know if he was a man of very much uh, a religious practice. The story is not told to us. We don't know um, how much he knew about Jesus or about the Jewish faith. I'd venture to say that he could not answer many of the questions that our compromands can today. He was a man of compassion because what brought him in the story is compassion for a servant he had who was sick in much pain and needing help. The account is also told in the Gospel of Luke. Some other details of this Roman soldier's life are added. In that setting, instead of the soldier coming to Jesus personally, he sends some Jewish envoys on his behalf. They come with word saying this man deserves help, saying he is a man who loves the Jewish people. He has even built a synagogue for us. That's different, isn't it? I mean, they say he's not your typical uh, Roman soldier by far. Already, it's amazing to what he is like. And then we turn to the encounter. When Jesus listens to what the man has to say in our account, and Jesus responds to him. One who could be hated now teaches us something that should be crystal clear. For in him, we learn a new way to encounter Jesus. To that moment, they imagined, all the people around Jesus, simply imagined, in order to meet Jesus, to encounter him, you had to learn where he was and travel to that point. It's why there are often so many crowds gathered around, and while Jesus also travels in hopes of simply engaging more people not waiting on them to arrive where he is. But at the same time, there's a limit in their idea. The idea goes like this. If you're not where he is, he can't help you. Instead, this man wants you to know Jesus' ability to help has no correlation. The limit has no correlation with what he can do. People often went to great lengths to bring people to Jesus. Remember the story in Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, where four friends bring a paralyzed man on a stretcher. They have difficulty getting close to Jesus, who is teaching in a house. And so they go onto the roof, tear a hole in the roof, lower the friend down on the pallet in front of Jesus so he can heal him, and he does. It pays off, you see, because they went to where Jesus was with the man who needed the healing, and Jesus did 
heal him. And everyone remembered the story. Something is different today. Today, we are often limited in our ideas of how we think Jesus can work. Some people limit it to the church. We believe you really want to know God. You really want to feel Jesus in your life. You simply got to be at church. Now, I'm not against being at church. I want you to know that. And I'm certainly glad you're here. But I want to open that door much wider to know that he is present in other places and times and doing his work. We don't want to set a limit on when and where Jesus is or what he can do. The world already tries to do that. We don't need to do it ourselves. In fact, in our culture, some wonder if we need Jesus at all because today, you know, we have 911. In emergency, you just dial, only we don't do dialing anymore. You press 911 on buttons and someone answers on the other end and they're ready to respond. It might be a, a policeman or a fireman or an EMT or other response vehicles that come to your assistance. And you're glad it's there. So many of the emergencies of life, because of where we live in our culture and society, there's someone there ready to respond. And some people will wonder, well, does that mean you really don't need Jesus because you now have 911? Unless you get beyond where that can help and realize you need more. Have you pushed those boundaries lately? Gotten by the narrow idea of where and when Jesus works? Do we think Jesus works only when we take time to pray? Do we think that Jesus works only when someone is too sick and the doctors cannot help that person? And then Jesus works? Do we think that when someone is uh, um, uh, hurting the only time Jesus can help is when there's no one else who can take care of him? Or is there something more important to the story? In fact, if you look at the story, it has everything to do with the task that's ours at hand. And it goes like this, always, our task is to bring Jesus to people and bring people to Jesus. That's the work of the church. The when and the how and the where can have many places, but it's always about the same task, bringing people to him and him to people. But it's the soldier who pushes the boundary on us, who teaches us something about that journey and that force that helps us to see ourselves differently. Maybe you're like me. You were raised in the church. I tell folks you're raised up you grew up saved, that term we use in the church, because ever since you were small, and this is a phrase written by Horace Bushnell in a book I read recently, it goes like this, we grew up not knowing what it's like to not be Christian. That meant from the time you could begin to think about the, who God was, you'd long since been in the nursery of a church, and, and you went into the very earliest preschool program and you stay through that and and all the way up to your teenage somewhere as you come to confirmation you're asked in a different way to engage something that's been in front of you all along it's not an unknown fact in your life but where does it find its place inside of your heart that is the journey of confirmation 
helping them journey through that point to see. It pushes us. We're pushed to think of new ways that God is at work in the world and in us. Jesus' disciples, I often refer to them as the people that are a part of the Walk With Me University. They walked with Jesus for three years and they've experienced his presence. And in that setting, they have grown, found the equipment and faith to begin their journey when Jesus is not there. For the most part, they simply sat and watched. Near the end of that three-year period, Jesus boldly sends them out sometimes in groups of two ahead of him to places. And let's see what you can do. He's given them power and authority that they can cast out demons. They can teach and they have a degree of success. They come back and celebrate that with him. But they're far more comfortable simply being there where he is, watching him do it again and again as others come to him. That's been the bread and butter of their existence. They really want it to stay that way. Sort of like us. We like to find our comfortable place Well, God will most of the time find us and fulfill us and fill us right where we are. And we're not asked to stretch too much in it. Then comes along that place where he wants more. How do we give him the more? Now, a theme that will come up in a few months on the calendar is to deal with the season of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that is essential to what we're talking about. It will help the disciples through what now is a a great struggle for them, just as it helps us. You know, people, even Jesus had times when he was not received very well. Remember, he made the return to his hometown of Nazareth. That's found in John 14. And in, in that town, it says of him, he could do no great works. Wasn't because Jesus was now incapable of it, But because in that town, the people who had known him as a carpenter's son, they knew his brothers and sisters. Maybe they even had a piece of furniture he helped build as a a carpenter's son growing up. They could not make that leap of faith to see him as more. And because of that, Jesus could not. It raises that issue. Helps us to see what's important from this simple centurion of the role of our faith in the work of Jesus. Where they could do, he could do no mighty works in Nazareth because of the faith of this centurion, a man who wasn't Jewish, a man who we don't know ever went to a temple service or to a synagogue. This man believed. He trusted He had a perception of Jesus' power Jesus' own disciples didn't have. Sort of like asking us, can we see larger? He was a man, the centurion was, who had already learned to do what Jesus commanded when he said to love your enemies. He was a man who already cared, compassionate for those people who saw him only as an occupying force in their land. A man who had compassion on his own servant. A person that could be considered no more than property, but not so to this Roman soldier. A man who connected the experience of his own life and military life of someone over him 
being able to tell him what to do and it has to happen. And he recognizes Jesus has that authority, whether he's physically present or not. That's pretty important for us today, isn't it? I mean, we're not walking around with Jesus. He's not out here in the same sense as you and I are present. If he can't come through broader than that presence, then we're lost. But the key, the key that opens up that power to people around us and to us is our trusting. If we don't trust in God, nothing much happens. This church does great things. It will be because we trust in Him, not just ourselves. No matter how gifted we are, how resourceful we are, if we don't trust in Him, we'll never go far. We'll always hold into our limits of what feels comfortable to us, easy enough that we can make it happen, instead of thinking He has more for us to do. He calls us to think bigger. Open our hearts to what He's doing. He can do mighty works through us. He can use us in our community. Every baptism is a challenge of our trusting in God. Not simply of how good a job a set of parents or a congregation can do in raising a child. It's also about us. What can we do? And what can His Spirit do? What is God going to do We trust in him, and that unopens the door. Without that key to the door, we become an impotent church, unable to grow, unable to reach out, unless we have faith, trusting that God can. I believe there's some doors being pushed open by our church, in our community, and in service. I ask you to be in prayer for what God can do. Trust him. We're asked to do more than we seem that we can. Would you pray with me? Our Father, you're the one who has made us grow in our faith. Help us to think better, to believe and trust more, to open our lives to this world and its needs, knowing that when we do, you can use us as a part of your work to change it, to transform it into your kingdom. Oh, Lord, we trust in you. We ask you to help us to grow in that response. Help us to be faithful to you in all things. For it is in Jesus we pray. Amen.